Well, good morning, everybody. Welcome to Northridge Church. So glad you are here today. So uh, I don't know how many of you do this in your home, but how many of you at times have decided to make marks on a wall somewhere for your kids as they get taller? Okay, anybody anybody in here do that with me? Okay, there's a few, a handful of you in here that do that. You've probably seen this. Now, the question I have for you is this. Why do we do those kind of things? Why do we make marks on a wall? Why do we, you know, uh, mess up a perfectly good stud wall, you know, in, in the storage room or wherever you do that? Why do we do that? You know what I think we like to do that? The reason is because we like to see growth. Don't we? We like to see change. We like to see growth. We like to see movement in a direction. There's something that, that, is, that is powerful, that is positive about that, and I think we like to track it. And the truth is we all know, I think, healthy things grow, don't they? If, if, if things are healthy, if things are good, then they grow. For example, if I were to take a seed and plant it in the ground, and the seed's healthy, the ground's healthy, and the, and the conditions around it are healthy, then what would we expect? We would expect to see a plant coming out, right? We'd see it, it would sprout and it would come up a little bit and then it would get a little bit bigger and, and it's just kind of this beautiful, amazing thing if it's healthy. It's changing, it's growing. But the question I have for you is, if we do that, if we plant a seed or if we don't see growth, then what is our question? Our question is, well, what's holding it back? What, what's stopping the growth? Right? That becomes a question. Like, why? What is the barrier to this growth? What's the barrier? Well, hold that thought. Uh, we're in a series that is very simply called Killing What's Killing You. What we're talking about, we're talking about things in our life that are trying to take us out. They're, they're, they're trying to take us down. They're taking us out. And so what we need to do is we need to take these things out before they take us that's, that's what we're talking about. And so today we're going to get into it because we've talked about the lack of rest the first week. Last week we talked about fear, how fear is killing us, and that the only way to tackle fear is to face it. We talked about that. But today, I'll be honest, this is a little bit more of a personal one. This is one of those things that when we get called out for this, I don't know about you, but um, I like these in my life because it helps me feel better about myself. That's, that's what this is. And, but it, if I was going to be honest, this thing that we're going to talk about today is a barrier to us being transformed. These are barriers to us changing. And, and Laura kind of hit on this just a moment ago. I believe that the biggest thing that God's presence, God's spirit, his power wants to do in us is to change us, to move us to be more and more like him. And what we're going to talk about today is a personal thing because it is very personal to all of us. We all have one of these or several of these, and it's a barrier to our transformation, to our growth. You guys are wondering, like, what is this thing? You know what it is? Excuses. <laughs> oh, I heard it few groans, a few chuckles like, oh yeah, excuses. And you've heard the phrase, right? I'm not going to say the phrase, but everybody has them. <laughs> excuses, I mean. 
And we're going to talk about this because the truth is that if we're going to grow, we have to get rid of some things in our life. And one of those biggest things is excuses. And I don't know about you, but you can ask my wife. I am really good at excuses. I'm very, very good. I'm, I, I, I am, I would have a college degree in excuses. I really should. I should have a degree. I should frame it. It should be there because I am really good at excuses. I am. And by the way, I've learned that my children are really good at excuses. Have you, have you ever noticed that? The kids are really good at that. You know, and so we're going to talk about excuses. But before we get into this, I want to give us an example of a guy in the Bible who gives a lot of excuses. Now, I kind of mentioned this last week. I told you we were going to talk about him. But this guy, when God comes to him and asks him to do something really big, kind of scary, he doesn't want to change. He doesn't want to lean into his faith. He doesn't want to go deeper. And so this guy gives several different excuses. You know who that guy is? Moses. Moses is an excuse-ridden guy. He used them very, very well to his advantage or tried to, to keep him from growing and from, to keep him from doing something big for God. So let me set up the context. Moses, at this point in his life, is married. He has more than one son. We don't know how many sons he had, but we know he had more than one. So he's married, has sons, and his job is to take care of flocks of animals for his father-in-law, for his wife's dad. Okay, that's what his job is. And so one day he's taking care of the flocks of animals and he's at the base of this mountain called Sinai. And uh, he looks up and he sees this bush and it's on fire. But the bush is not being consumed. It's not, it's not burning up. And so he's, well, that's weird. The bush is on fire, but it's not being consumed. And so he's like, he does what probably any of us do. We're, let's go check this out. Let's go see this. And so Moses kind of, you know, I don't know if he takes the animals or what he does. He goes up closer to the bush. And when he gets closer to the bush, God speaks to him out of the bush. Now, I don't know about you, but that's just not a normal day. You know? I don't normally walk around and like stuff's on fire, you know, and I go, oh, cool. And then God says, hey, Brent, how you doing? You know, it's just not a normal day. It's not a normal thing. But for this day, this is how God chose to speak to Moses. And so God starts to speak to Moses. Moses hears him. He takes off his sandals because, you know, he's standing on holy ground. And then God tells Moses, Moses, I want to ask you to do something pretty big. I want you to take your family and I want you to go back to Egypt, which is where Moses was originally from. I want you to go back to Egypt and you're going to confront the most powerful person on the planet at that time in history, Pharaoh. And you're going to tell Pharaoh that he's going to let the Israelites, the Hebrews, go. You're going to free them from slavery. About a million people. It's going to be awesome. Now, I don't know about you, but sometimes we might be like, woo, yeah, this is great. Or you might be like, uh, say what? Moses was more on the edge of say what? And he gives God five different excuses as to why he definitely should not be the one to go to Egypt. So I'm going to walk through those really quickly. And we'll spend probably most of our time talking about these five excuses. Excuse number one, we're going to start in Exodus chapter 3, verse 11. So God has just told Moses, you're going to go back to Egypt. You're going to confront Pharaoh. You're going to free the entire Israelite nation from slavery in Egypt. And you're going to lead them to a land that I'm going to show you. Okay, that's what you're going to do. This is Moses' response. But Moses protested to God. Who am I to appear before Pharaoh? 
Who am I to lead the people of Israel out of Egypt? Excuse number one, unworthy. I don't know if you've ever used this, but sometimes when we are asked to do something, sometimes when we are asked to be involved in something, sometimes when we're invited into something, or sometimes when somebody pushes us or challenges us to do something, we sometimes use the excuse, I'm, I'm not worthy of that. I, I, I shouldn't do that. Have you ever used the unworthy excuse to get out of something that you just didn't want to do? <laughs> like, oh, I could never do that. And in your heart you're going, Actually, I don't want to do that. And you use that as an excuse. I've, I've, done, I've, I've, I've played that card before. I, I really have. And so next time when some of you ask me to do something, I'll be like, oh, no. They're like, oh, I heard you talk about this. i got to be careful what I say, don't I? Because the truth is, is like, I mean, that's the truth. Because I, we sometimes, we, sometimes we feel unworthy, but sometimes we just act unworthy because we don't want to do it. Either way, excuse of being unworthy is an excuse. Uh, I remember a few years ago, I was asked by somebody in the community to consider being voted on to the chamber board here in Wanakee. And my first inclination for that, because the chamber board is kind of a, it's a very business-oriented, uh, you know, community thing in Wanakee. And, and my first inclination, this is my thought, I, I don't know that I've ever, I've ever said this out loud, actually. But my first inclination when they asked me was, what do I, I'm a pastor, like, I'm not in the business community. What do I have? I can't be on a chamber board. Like, I can tell them what God says about business. But, but, but I'm going to help the business community? No, I mean, I, I was being, I'm being very honest. I, I, I was like, there's, there's no reason for me to do that. I, I can't help you guys in any way. I'd be a fish out of water. That's what I felt. And thankfully, as I, I said, I'd consider it. I, I slowed myself down. I didn't just say no, and, and as I prayed and thought about it, what I realized was this was a huge opportunity for me to step out, way out of my comfort zone, not into a world that I did not feel natural and normal about at all, very intimidated by, and to give my time and energy and skills and abilities, whatever I had to possibly help in some way, this community continue to grow and to thrive. And, and I knew that me saying no would be me saying no out of fear of unworthiness. And so I chose that I needed to, in that moment, lean in. Now, there's plenty of other times that I've just said no. Sometimes we feel unworthy of what we're called to do, and we say no before we ever give it a shot and realize that God has more in us that he wants to pull out of us. Have I been intimidated over the last few years working with the chamber and things like that? If I was going to be honest, absolutely. Are there times when we have discussion and I'm like, man, I have no idea what we should do with this? Yeah, many times. But I know that I have grown and I've also in many ways been able to serve and help. Sometimes our unworthiness, we've got to get past it because it's just an excuse. But that's not where Moses stops. He doesn't start with unworthiness. He has a second excuse. Listen to this. Next verse. But Moses protested, if I go to the people of Israel and tell them the God of your ancestors has sent me to you, they will ask me, what is his name? 
It's a good question, right? Then what should I tell them? Here's excuse number two. Lack of answers or knowledge. Have you ever uh, declined to get involved or do anything because you felt like you didn't have all the answers yet? Oh man, that's a big one for me. I, I don't know about you, but I, when I, I don't like to make decisions until I have every ounce of information. I want to know 100% of the information before I make a decision. Anybody else in the room with me on that? Some of you are like, yeah, yeah, that's me. Some of you are in here, you're like, no, just make the decision, go. Right? Burn it to the ground and let's do it again. You know, some of you are like that, and that's awesome, and you, like, I'm really, I'm impressed by you people. I really am, because you just kind of, woo, I don't know, this is what I see, yeah, let's go, let's do it. And me, I'm like, well, this is what I see, but there might be something behind curtain number two, and there might be something over here, and I need to do some more research, and I'm going to Google this another four days, and, and my wife is like, can we not just go buy it? I'm serious. If it's anything on the order of like the level of, you know, more than $100, oh, forget it. It's weeks before I'm ever going to commit to that. (laughs) You think I'm joking. I'm not. Sometimes we wait for the perfect answers, and I think that sometimes for those of us who are walking with Christ, you want to go deeper in your faith. You know you need to go deeper in your faith, but you're held up by a few questions that you have, and you're like, but this doesn't make sense to me. You know what? There's some things on this side of heaven is never going to make sense to you. It's kind of like gravity. If you look up what gravity is, what you're going to find is a whole bunch of descriptions about what gravity does. You're not going to find descriptions about what gravity is because you know what? We actually don't know what gravity is. We talk about it all the time as if we know. We don't even know what it is. We don't even know where the force comes from. We don't know why it exists. We, can, we know what it does, right? If I step off this stage, it's going to go poorly for me. Why? Because gravity. How does it work? We don't know. Where did it come from? We don't know. You'll have a description of what it does, but you're not going to have the answers as to what it is. We cannot wait for the answers to both grow in our faith or, some of us in here, to accept faith for the first time. I find a lot of people, when they don't want to give their life to Jesus, it's because they have so many questions. We're never going to get to the place, at least on this side of eternity, where we just don't have any more questions. We're never going to have all the answers. I get asked hard questions all the time, and a lot of them I don't have answers for. I know God does. He just hasn't revealed them all to me. So we have to stop using lack of answers as an excuse because we can't find them all and satisfy them. All right. But Moses keeps going. Third excuse, you ready? All right, you guys are loving this, aren't you? All right, I love this. Thank you for calling out all my excuses. This is my favorite Sunday ever. Okay, no, maybe not, but I think it's important. Okay, here we go. Moses, Exodus chapter four. So we're all the way into another chapter. Did you, did you know that Moses had so many excuses, it took two chapters to cover them all? <laughs> Moses, it's great. Exodus 4.1, but Moses protested. Notice he has a lot of protestations. Moses protested again. What if they won't believe me or listen to me? What if they say the Lord never appeared to you? Excuse number three, fear of being rejected. 
This is a big one. Perhaps the biggest reason we do not share our faith in Jesus is because we fear what the person will say after. We fear what the relationship looks like after. We fear if they're going to be offended after. And so we hold it. We cover it up. We don't let anybody know where we go on Sunday. We don't let anybody know how deeply we feel about God and about Jesus. And we hold that power and that love and that grace and that forgiveness and that peace to ourselves. And it becomes an excuse. And I, I don't know about you, and, and I'm just gonna, I don't know that I've ever said this, but here's, here's what I would suggest. When the next time you have an opportunity to share your faith, and by the way, you're gonna know because somebody is gonna share something that's really awful, like maybe they're going through something really, really hard, and you know like prayer and the comfort of God would be really good in this moment. You're gonna know it. It's gonna happen. Some of you, it's gonna happen this week at work. It's gonna be like, oh man. And when it does, you're gonna be like, Brent, I can't stand you right now. And when you think of me, because I'm calling you out to what you're supposed to do this week when it happens. Don't, don't hate me. That's fine. Whatever. You can feel however you want about me. But just know that this is God setting the bar for you to do whatever you're called to do. Just do it. Just try it. You don't have to start preaching. You don't have to bring out, man, that sounds awful. Hold on. I've got a Bible. Let's read it together. Hey, I, I'm, not, I'm not saying that that's necessarily what you do, but maybe you can simply say, man, that is, that is awful. Can, can I just ask, I, I would love to pray for you. You know, when I, when I go through hard stuff, man, I pray and I believe it, it really helps. There's a power there. Whatever you need to say. And yeah, you, you might be, and here's why you're probably scared, because you're like, well, I, I've, I've never done this before and so I'm gonna fumble all over it. Yeah, you will, and that's okay. You, you know what I think? Um, I listen to a podcast all the time, Craig Rochelle podcast. And, and one thing that he says all the time, he just, this is kind of his phrase. He said, people would rather follow a leader who is real than one who is always right. Isn't that true? Wouldn't you rather follow somebody who's genuine and authentic and real rather than somebody who says, I'm always right? Just take a, take a risk. Talk about Jesus. Share how powerful your faith is. See where it goes. You know, the first time, I mean, when, we're going to fall flat on our face. That's okay. And some of you are like, no, it's not. <laughs> I don't want to do that. But the truth is, if we're going to grow, the only way to grow is to fall on our face a few times. Uh, when I first started water skiing, I, I got up the first, like the very first time I got up and I was up for about two or three seconds. I mean, it wasn't very long and we were cooking. I mean, we were probably only going 30 miles an hour, but I felt like we were just screaming, you know, because I'd never been on top of the water before and I'm going, wow, you know, two, three seconds. And then I was doing this number, you know. You know what I'm talking about? The first Because you have to like get that tension right. And I wasn't used to it. And so I was like, I'm trying to do this and I'm shaking. You know, I wasn't like smooth like you're supposed to be. And then all of a sudden, I, I just, I went forward a little bit too much. And you know what happened, right? The ski's kind of digging. I mean, wham into that water. And here's the problem. I forgot to let go of the ski rope for the first. <laughs> it was only for like two seconds, but I'm like, 
I mean, I had so much water in my body. It was, it was bad. I came up going, oh, you know, and I'm trying to swim. You know, I got skis on my feet. It's ridiculous. The first time, it's going to be a little bit awkward. It's going to be hard, but the only way you're going to actually learn to do it is to try it. If you're waiting for the perfect moment, guess what? It's not going to exist. God has teed it up probably many, many times for you. You just have to take the opportunity. Get past the excuse. Fear of being rejected sometimes is a powerful excuse. Moses didn't stop there. He had another excuse. He had a lot of them. A few verses down, Exodus 4.10. But Moses pleaded. Notice he's not protesting anymore. Now he's pleading. He's gotten desperate. Moses pleaded with the Lord. Oh, Lord, I am not very good with words. I never have been, and I'm not now. Even though you have spoken to me, I get tongue-tied and my words get tangled. Anybody else have this problem? <laughs> Excuse number four, you're not capable. A lot of, now, this is, now this is where Moses gets kind of personal. He's like, God, no, no, he, these other three were kind of, you know, well, let me ask a question. Like if they ask who your name is, you know, all this stuff. It's kind of, he's centering around the issue. Now he gets a little bit more personal. Moses says, no, God, I don't think you understand. I don't speak well. I can't do this. I, I can't do this. This is, I, this is not, I'm not capable of this. I can't do this. Capability is not there. How often in things of faith do we just choose not to do it because we don't think we can? Like reading the Bible. How many of us don't get into the Bible because we think it's too big, too scary, too difficult to read it? I'm here to tell you, you can. You absolutely can read this. You can absolutely understand it. Will you understand everything? I'm telling you, I don't understand everything. That's okay. Kind of goes back to the answers thing. You got to try it. Prayer. A lot of you, maybe you don't pray and, and, and you don't talk to God and you're like, well, because I, I don't know how to do it right. Can I just tell you, there's not really a right way to pray. Can I just, can I just give you really simple advice about prayer? Be real. Tell God exactly what you're feeling. Tell him what you're scared of. Tell him what you're worried about. Thank him for the good stuff that you have in your life and you do have good things in your life no matter where you're at. Thank him for those things. Just be real. And by the way, God already knows what you're thinking. He already knows what you're gonna say. He already knows what you're dealing with. He knows all that. And some of you are like, well, why should I pray that? That was another sermon a few weeks ago or a few months ago. <laughs> this is our connection to God. Just try it. You're capable. You can do it. Are you willing? You understand I could hit these excuses a lot longer, but we're going to keep going. Excuse number five. And this is, this is where Moses kind of reveals everything about his heart. In fact, the other four excuses were because of this excuse. Okay? Listen to what he says. Exodus 4.13 but Moses, again, pleading, notice he's still pleading, Lord, please send anyone else. He didn't say someone else. He said anyone else. Like, anyone else. I don't care who it is. 
send anyone else. I don't care what human being, anyone would be fine. As long as it's not me. Lord, send anyone else. Excuse number five, I just don't want to do it. This is the simplest one, but the hardest one. Because this is the one that we see probably most often. When we have excuses, a lot of times it rests on the excuse that if we were going to be honest, we just don't want to do whatever it is. We just, we just don't want to do that. We don't want to take the risk. We don't want to, we don't want to change. We don't want to move anywhere. We don't, we don't, we don't want to grow. A lot of us in here, we know the changes we need to make. Don't we? We know the changes that we need to make. God has been calling us to make them, to lean into this. And the question is, what are you going to do about those changes? What excuses are there? I have hundreds of excuses in my life for a whole host of things. What are you going to do with those excuses? So that you can grow, so that you can change. Because here's what I know. God wants to transform your life. He wants to give you peace and he wants to give you power and he wants to give you joy. He wants to give you transformation in, in ways that you didn't realize is even possible. He really does. He wants to do that. But if we're going to be honest, we have to get through, get past the excuses that we have. We, we, just, we just do. Um, now, I would love to leave Moses' five excuses, but there's a sixth one that I have to cover. And, and Moses didn't hit on this one, and so I have to go somewhere else for this. This is, this is the very first, this is probably one of the most basic excuses that we use uh, for all of life, and it happened at the very beginning of humanity. You guys know where I'm going? We're going to go to the first man and first woman. Let me just kind of give you the context. God created perfection, perfect garden, Man and woman, Adam and Eve, in the garden, says the only thing you can't do is eat the fruit from that tree. You can eat all the other fruit, but not the fruit from that tree, okay? Everything else you can do, okay? Don't eat the fruit from that tree. One thing, okay? What do the man and the woman do? They eat the fruit from that one tree, okay? It brings sin into our world, and everybody's like, ah, they messed it all up. Okay, true. They sin. They separate themselves from God. Okay? Because they ate the fruit. The only thing that God said not to do. Now, God confronts the man and the woman, and he says, did you eat the fruit that I commanded you not to eat? Don't you just love, hey, kids in the room, don't you just love when your parents just face-to-face -face grill you and be like, did you break it? Did you? Just look, look at me in the eyes. This is kind of that moment with God. God is going to the first man of the, because Adam and Eve, if you remember in this context, they're hiding from God. Just so you know, you play hide and seek with God, it's just not going to go well. But that's what they're doing. Adam and Eve are hiding from God. They're like, oh, because they're ashamed that they messed up, that they sinned. And so they're hiding. And so God calls them out and says, hey, did you eat the fruit that I told you not to eat? This is what the man says. The man replied, it was the woman you gave me who gave me the fruit and I ate it. <laughs> Excuse number six, blame someone else. Blame game, right? Now, did you notice that the first man, Adam, 
he did not just blame the woman. He said the woman, okay, yeah, the woman. It was, it was the woman, okay? He didn't stop there. He blamed God. Did you catch that? He said, the woman you gave me, God, like, God, you messed up. She's the one that got me to eat the fruit. Blame game. It's an excuse. Well, this is why. It's because they did this. It's because he told me to go. It's because she said. Blame game. And by the way, Eve was not, you know, immune from this either. In the very next verse. Then the Lord God asked the woman, what have you done? The servant deceived me, she replied. That's why I ate it. In other words, Adam says, it's the woman, God, you created this woman from my rib, okay? You, you caused this. And then he goes to the woman, and the woman says, well, the snake got me. It was the serpent's fault. Blame game. Excuse. Here's the point. If it's never your fault, it's never going to be your responsibility. I know we don't want to hear that. But if it's not ever going to, if you, if you always blame somebody else, then it's never going to be your responsibility to take, take responsibility for it. Change it. It's not your fault. It's never going to be your responsibility. So, I'm going to kind of change gears here for a minute. Because what I'm about to say is maybe a little bit difficult. So, I'm going to, I'm going to move the, the stand. I'm just going to talk to you for a minute here. Um, I want you to imagine that we're in my living room. Okay. Most of you have never seen my living room. Don't worry, it's, it's pretty good. A little bit of hair because we have a golden retriever. It's fine. We have, we have the sticky rollers for you when we're done, okay? So you're set. Laura's loving this. I just said we had hair in our house. Just being real. <laughs> but if, if we were sitting in my house and we were having a conversation one-on-one, this would be hard for me to say to you, but it's important that we all hear this. So uh, there's a guy by the name of Erwin McManus who wrote a book called Mind Shift. Uh, I haven't read the book myself, uh, although I've heard a lot of quotes from it, and so it's definitely on my list to read. But Erwin McManus uh, has a chapter in that book. Um, What's it called? You are your own ceiling. You are your own ceiling. And what he's talking about is that sometimes as people, he's talking about leadership in this particular case, but he's talking about both believers in Jesus and non-believers. He says what he has seen is regardless of people who have faith and, or people who don't have faith, he said one thing that tends to hold us back is our mentality and our excuses that we have toward things. And he says we are our own ceiling, but we never like to admit it. 
And Erwin McManus, he tells a little bit of a, a, a story about his childhood in this interview that I was listening to when he was talking about the book. And Erwin McManus, I didn't know this, but he is an immigrant from El Salvador. So he's, he's from El Salvador. And he uh, did not know his real dad growing up. He, didn't, he, never, he never knew him. Erwin uh, says actually that he had one memory of his dad and he doesn't know if it's a real memory or if he just had heard stories from his family and so it feels like a real memory. He, he doesn't honestly know. And so he didn't know his real dad and so his mom got remarried to another guy and they come to the United States and his uh, dad, his mom married, was involved in what Erwin McManus said, creative underground economy. Okay, <laughs> that's what Erwin said. That's exactly how he said it. That's an interesting way to put it. So obviously not legal stuff. And so they one day, Erwin remembers this when he was a, um, a really young kid. They went to the police station and he convinced the, the authorities that they had been robbed and that all of their uh, identification, everything else was stolen. And so they walked out with new identities. And so Erwin walked in you got a guy from El Salvador, and he walked out Erwin McManus. You know where that's from? Ireland. I'm, I'm serious. If you look Erwin McManus up, he does not look Irish in the slightest. Erwin McManus, he's, and, he, and he's known to this day by that name. This name of his is an alias that he was given by his family to hide their identity. In addition to that, they would create this whole persona for Erwin McManus, uh, this whole thing, and, um, and in order to kind of keep Erwin McManus from knowing the truth about his family and his dad and his past and all that kind of stuff, they created an entire alternate reality for him. And so as a result of that, Erwin McManus, he said, he grew up never knowing what the truth was. And because of that, his brain kind of fractured on him. And by the time he was 10 years old, he found himself in a psychiatrist's um, hospital. Having psychosis and all, all of it, his brain was just destroyed. And Erwin McManus, even to this day, he says he still has night terrors from the psychosis stuff that he had to deal with, just the lack of truth in his life. Uh, still to this day. This was just an interview like last month. And Erwin McManus, he said this. He said, you know, it would have been very easy for me. It would have been much easier for me to just explain my lack of success and blame it on my upbringing. Because I had a rough one. Abuse and all that stuff that goes with it. He said, it would have been easy for me to blame everybody else, but he said, this changed my mind. And this is why he wrote the book, Mind Shift. He said, this is what changed everything for me. Once I shifted and realized that even though it's not my fault, it's still my responsibility. That's, that's hard. Some of you have a past that is so horrendous. And you're leaning in and you're saying, it, but it's not my fault. I, I'm this way because it, and it's not my fault. And I'm here to say, you're right. It's not your fault. But who you are becoming is your responsibility. 
absolutely. It still sits on your shoulders. It doesn't have to be your fault. It actually doesn't matter if it's your fault. What you can do is you can walk forward in freedom, but it has to be your choice to choose to open yourself up to what God wants to do. But are you willing to do that? That's hard. See, if we put the blame for who we are on somebody else, guess who has the only power to save you from yourself? That person that you put all the blame on. You've given all of the power over your life to that other person. Don't do that. Take it back and surrender that power to the only one who has the best for you, which is God. I know it's hard to hear that you are your own ceiling. But you are. God has created you. Amazing. Every one of you in here, amazing. And the only thing that's holding you back, you know God's not holding you back. Well, I just want to keep them where they are. That looks pretty good. God's not doing that. The only one who's holding you back is you. And I don't know about you, but that might be harsh to hear, but it should also be freeing. That you can choose to surrender everything to God right now and he can take that and transform it. You are your own ceiling. But you know what that means? That means you can break through that ceiling and create, you know what's on the other side of a ceiling? A new floor. How cool is that? If you break through the ceiling that you have right now, which is right here, it's right, right above you, you are your own ceiling. If you break through that ceiling, then you have created a new floor. And guess what? If there's a new floor, guess what's above you? A new ceiling. <laughs> and some of you are like, oh, I'm tired already. <laughs> but that's growth. That's how we get deeper in our faith. We break through the ceiling and then God shows us something else. And then we break through that ceiling and we create a new floor. And then we break through that ceiling. And then we start opening God's word. We're like, man, I never even knew. Yeah, let me show you this. And then all of a sudden we start to learn more and we get fired. New floor, new floor, new floor, new ceiling, new ceiling. And we keep breaking them. With God's help, we keep moving. So I've been out west uh, a lot, as you guys know, because I love the mountains. And so uh, one of the types of animals that you'll see out west is bison. Um, and bison are really cool animals. They are one of the only animals in the animal kingdom that when a storm comes, they turn and face it. Hey, this, is, this is really, really cool. Bison turn and face the storm. Okay? And, and when this happens, um, now they do this for a couple of reasons. They have these huge, like furry, massive heads. I mean, look at that sucker, right? Huge heads, so they're built for this. But they also do that because, and, the, and, and scientists, we, we've studied this. They've seen that bison will not only just turn and face the storm, but sometimes they will move into the storm. And the reason they see that they do that is because bison know inherently somehow that if they move into the storm, they're going to actually make the storm last shorter. Because the storm's moving this way and they're moving this way and they're going to be in the storm less time than if they just stood still or if they tried to run from it. You know what almost all other animals do? 
including cows that are, I kind of put in the same category. Cows move with the storm, and so they stay in it forever. Come on, dummy. Let's go. Come on, Fred. Let's go. Let's stay in the storm forever. And it's because they're running from the storm. They're running from what they should be facing. The bison face it and they minimize it and they get stronger as a result. And on the other side, beautiful. My question for you today is this. What do you need to face? What do you need to face? What excuses have you been making? Are you running from a storm? Are you running from a relationship? Are you running from conviction of a sin that you know you're constantly in? What are you running from? Can I encourage you to do something? Realize that you are your own ceiling. And God wants to help you break through it to create a new floor. But what you have to do in order to do that is you have to trust God and turn around and face the storm head on. Face your excuses. Don't blame anybody else. It's not anybody else's fault. You are your own ceiling. Lean in. Allow God to break through, punch through that ceiling and find a new floor. And I believe God will bring you peace and love and joy like you've never known on the other side. Turn and face it. No more excuses. Let's run toward God, even if it's through a storm or excuses or whatever we have. Let's run toward him. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, it's never easy to be called out for us being responsible for something. But the truth is, you reminded me in such a powerful way this week that I am my own ceiling, that that whatever the reality is in my life, I have either created it or allowed it. And, and all I need to realize is that I need to give those excuses, all those excuses that I have, God, you know, we've wrestled over those this week. I need to give those excuses up. I need to, I need to surrender those excuses to you. I've been blaming other people for things. I've, I, I've, I've given excuses why I can't do certain things, why I can't take certain risks. God, you know that I've lived in a sea of excuses. And maybe there's a lot of us in here, in this room, listening online, 
right now that they're, they're in the same place. There's, they've been just given so many excuses for different things. I can't do this. I can't read the Bible because of this. I don't have time. I don't know these things. And we've been blaming other people. God, I pray that you would open our eyes, open our hearts, help us to realize that we are our own limitation. And all we have to do is allow you to come in and show us those ceilings, show us those limitations, and allow us to break through those barriers. And on the other side, on the other side, God, is it's going to be freedom and strength and power. Lord, help us to face whatever we need to face today. Help us to get rid of the excuses and run, run to you, our Heavenly Father, our Savior, our God. And may we experience your power as a result. We pray this, we ask all of this in your name, Jesus. Amen.